don't know it, you will, I think, come to like it. But uh, we are bound for the promised land uh, is, the, is the theme of this song. So, you ready?
Lord, uh, as we now prepare uh, to hear your word uh, in your house, I pray that you will prepare our hearts. Uh, just make us open to receive your message today. Lord, open our eyes so that we can see. Open our ears so that we can hear your message, Lord, and give us understanding. I pray that you'll be with Pastor Tom, uh, that his message will be uh, your message, Lord, and that it will be understandable and, and edifying to your people. Uh, and lastly, Lord, I pray for the children, uh, that their time also will be joyful, uh, edifying, and enriching in, for their souls and their spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. Good to have you with us. There I am. Yeah, here I am. Um, if you are visiting with us or if you have any prayer requests, we encourage you to fill out this piece of card stock in your bulletin. We will follow up with you accordingly. Um, let's see. Several things going on around here. Youth group. And our blueprint mission trip is coming up. If you are participating in that, uh, we would encourage you to uh, be at the mandatory meeting today at 3 on Zoom on the Hope Church Zoom channel, and we will go over some last-minute details. That, that trip begins a week from today. Uh, we will gather here in the afternoon and then head down to Blueprint Ministries uh, near downtown for the week uh, for those of us who will be participating. Um, but uh, please Zoom in today at 3. If you are going to be on that trip or involved in any way, we would love to have you there for um, that, those details that need to be covered. All right, so if you have, if you have any paperwork outstanding, uh, Christy is willing to be nice to you today only. <laughs> then, then you get Lois when she gets back, yes. Um, all right. Um, wait, you're going to be nice every day? <laughs> okay, yeah, good point. All right. Um, so that's coming up, the meeting today. Um, a week from today, we will be uh, receiving Pastor Miguel from our sister church in Cuba. He will be bringing God's word to us. Uh, that's a one week from today, so I encourage you to be here for that. Um, I think that's everything. Ah, yes, thank you. Tuesday evening will be our final installment of the Messiah Song uh, Bible Study, Tuesday night Bible study at 7. And we will be going over uh, Handel's the Hallelujah Chorus and Handel's Messiah and looking at other uh, scriptural connections to that great work of Gregory Handel. Um, did I get that right? First name's Gregory? Eh, close enough. All right. Yes. I knew that. We will be doing. We will be covering one of the songs since "By Man Came Death." All right, and then 
that's what I was thinking. Worthy as the Lamb is the, the final song in the Handel's Messiah, and we will be listening to that and looking at the scriptural connections thereof, and then wrapping up the whole series. So encourage you, even if you haven't been on the Tuesday night Zoom up until now, this Tuesday night should be pretty cool. So please zoom in and participate, and uh, it should be uh, good stuff. Um, and there are still a couple of nights during the week that there are slots available. If you want to sign up to just go down and volunteer in the kitchen at Blueprint, I can tell you from past trips, it's always nice to see some, some, some familiar faces once we're down there. So I encourage you to do that. Um, those details are in your bulletin. At this time, I would like to invite up all of our uh, aspiring new members, um, Jack and Yolanda and Bill and Kendall and Jeremy and Izzy. How you doing? Doing well? All right. What's new? Are, y are you done with school now? So you're out for the summer? And so w middle school is next for you, is that right? All right. Come on up. All right. Yeah. Okay, so this is our uh, most of our most recent class of Discover Hope. Bill, raise your hand. All right, that's Bill, Jack, Yolanda. All right, Izzy. Kendall, Jeremy, all right, so y'all all survived Discover Hope, welcome, we're glad you're here, I have the official uh, membership questions for you on this occasion of you uh, joining Hope, um, the church is something that the scriptures talk about often, and Though it is imperfect, this is an important part of being part of God's family, that we join together in shared mission of extending his grace into the world, that we commit ourselves to him, to his gospel, his kingdom, and to one another. And so to that end, I have these questions for uh, all of you. Um, you may just answer in the affirmative with a yes any other answer, and I'll kick you off the stage. <laughs> All right. You got that? Yes. You say yes. Okay. All right. Do you each acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God and without hope for your salvation except in his sovereign mercy? Do you? Okay. And do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Savior of sinners and do you receive and depend upon him alone for your salvation as he is offered in the gospel? All right. Do you now promise and resolve in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as become followers of Christ? Okay. And do you promise to serve Christ in his church by supporting and participating in the life of Hope Church, in its service to God, and its ministry to others, according to the best of your God-given abilities, do you? Okay. And do you submit yourselves to the government and discipline of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, to the spiritual oversight of Hope Church's session of elders, and do you promise to promote the unity, purity, and peace of the Church of Jesus Christ here at Hope? 
Very good. Uh, Inasmuch as you have each made professions of your faith, and having been baptized at some point prior in your life, uh, I was there for yours. I remember. Um, where was I? <laughs> having been approved by the church, but, uh, the, the session of Hope Church for active membership, I declare each of you entitled to all the privileges of being members of this congregation and into the full fellowship of the church, as well as having all the duties and responsibilities incumbent upon those who profess Christ and seek to worship God by service to him in ministry to others. Welcome to the Hope Church family. And before you leave, I'm going to pray for each of you, or for all of you. All right. God, our Father, we thank you for the ways in which you grow us into your family, for the blessing of being a part of what you are doing here on earth. I pray your blessing over each person and each family represented here and over our church as we continue to fulfill the mission that you have set before us to extend your grace, your love, your kindness uh, to all kinds of people throughout this earth. We just pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and equip us to serve and glorify you. Your blessing over these families and your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Would you please welcome the newest members of your congregation? Welcome. 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 Jeremy, good to have you. All right. Love you all. You may be seated. Or you can stay up here and preach with me. I don't care. I had to get you up here, Yolanda, so you got a feel for it. Yolanda's going to translate for Pastor Miguel next week. So, uh, good stuff. All right. At this time, if I can have just the important people come down to the front. If you are in fifth grade or younger, you are invited to come forward for our children's chat at this time. Before you go to Hope for Kids. You can come on. It's it's your choice. Totally fine. Yeah. All right. Yes, ma'am. You remember when the children's chat was just you? It was a child's chat? Uh Uh-huh. Sometimes just the three of you. Well, I'm glad you're all here. How are we doing? All right. Doing okay, Pipes? So, okay, what do you know about a wolf? It's furry. It could be a werewolf. They can be mean. Yes. Naomi? You forgot. They can bite. They can be scary. And what do you know about a lamb? It's soft and you get wool from it. And a lamb is a baby what? Sheep, Sheep, right? Are are baby sheep scary? No, No, they're soft and cuddly and cute, exactly. But are wolves kind of scary? Yes. Yes. Um, Do you know what lambs eat? 
grass, right? Or probably just about anything you put in front of them that's vegetative. <laughs> what do wolves eat? Sheep. Sheep. <laughs> that's, I think you get it. All right. Yeah, and <laughs> so I want you to hear, uh, this, is, this is from the prophet Isaiah, and he's talking about a time in the future, and I want you to listen. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. What, is it, what does it mean to graze? Yes, to be peaceful, like a cow will graze in a field, they eat grass, right? So let me read that again. The wolf and the lamb, the wolf and the lamb shall graze together. What seems weird about that? That what? They're not going to be fighting, the, the lamb's not going to be running for its life, and the wolf's not going to be eating the lamb. Right? They're going to just be, it's a symbol, it's a metaphor it for peace. Right? So here's what God wants you to know, that someday, at, at when God is ready, he will bring all of us to a place of eternal peace. How long does eternal peace last? Forever. So think about that. No more crying, no more pain. No more suffering, no more death, but forever and ever and ever there will be peace. Yes, ma'am. You can know what eternal means because in Frozen there's an eternal winter. Thank you, Disney. All right. And you can also know what eternal means because... God has always been, he is now, and he always will be. And he brings us into his family through his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have peace now and a peace that lasts for how long? How long does God's peace last? Forever. Thank you, Piper. Eternally. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you have given us a peace that lasts forever that we can even experience that peace now in the midst of this life, that your peace has come to us through the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and that it is because of his love and his sacrifice that we are forgiven and free and able to experience your peace now and forever. We thank you for that blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a great time in Hope for Kids. I still want to see y'all come in here like that. What's, what's the deal? I don't get it. Um, let's, uh, let's please join me in prayer as we pre prepare our hearts for God's word this morning. God, our loving Father, we uh, come before you and we pray that you would be present here in our midst this morning. 
that you would speak to us through your word. And Lord, as you prepare our hearts for that process, uh, we ask that uh, you would take the burdens of our hearts to make us more free to encounter you here through your word today. We give you our, our sins, our failures, our disappointments, the tragedies that have transpired in this world recently, and we just lay them at your feet. We pray that um, you would take all of our concerns and allow us to hear you this morning in spite of them. Lord, we lift before you those relationships in our lives that are strained, and we pray for your peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We pray for those whom we know and love who are sick or recovering from medical procedures or facing uncertain diagnoses, and we just pray your healing mercies over your people. We lift up our one of our other prospective members, Joe Torres, is having surgery on Wednesday, and we just pray for a successful outcome there. Pour out your healing upon him. We lift up our brother, Dean Johnson, and we just pray your continued healing over his body. We also lift up our brother, Dean Morris, and pray your continued healing over him. We lift up Mike and Yolanda Clifton, and we just pour, pray you would pour out your healing upon both of them, reduce Yolanda's pain levels, and restore her to full function soon. And Lord, we um, lift up this nation, our leaders at every level of government elected and appointed. We pray your wisdom and discernment over the decisions that are before them. We lift up our men and women in uniform. We pray that you would watch over and protect them. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way. And we ask that you would bring them home safely. Lord, we lift up those who are... Um, separated from their families due to their service to this country, and we just pray that you would be close to those who are far away and those who are here on the home front. And Father, we lift up those who have returned home changed as a result of their service. We pray for your peace, healing, and love over them, mind, body, and soul. Use us to minister that grace to their hearts, and we just pray for your church here at Hope and around the world. We lift up to you um, all those churches through to whom we are connected through our denomination, and uh, we just pray that you would shine your light through your people. We lift up your church in Uvalde, Texas, of all uh, denominations. We pray for your peace there. We pray that your voice would be heard in the midst of that pain. We pray for um, the light of your love to shine brightly in that community in the wake of that tragedy. And Father, we um, just pray that your church would shine that same light all over this earth. We pray especially for our sister church in Kamahuani, Cuba. And we just pray your blessing over them and what you are doing there. We pray for... Um, a good time of fellowship with Pastor Miguel next week and just um, use him to speak to us. And we just pray your continued blessing over that uh, friendship that we have with that church there. Uh, fill us now with your Holy Spirit, Spirit. Lead us into the understanding of your word and into what it means to live out your word in our everyday lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, 
we've been in a series of messages through the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet who lived in Jerusalem. Um, and, uh, let's just place him at about 600 B.C. And Isaiah then uh, saw something that God wanted him to see. And that something was very basic and simple. That if God's people continued in rebellion against their creator and, and d- rejected his love for them, that they would, they would suffer. They would suffer the consequences of their separation from God. And so one of the themes in the book of Isaiah is this idea of the separation that our sin causes in our lives, the separation that it causes between ourselves and our creator and the separation that it causes between ourselves and others. That, that sin brings devastation is not a, uh, I don't think that's a uniquely biblical idea, right? That, that rebellion and dishonor and, and those types of things bring pain. But Isaiah saw this in a very um, clear sense and began to tell God's people the, the consequences of this separation would be grim. And by grim, he actually predicted that Jerusalem would fall to an enemy army, to a foreign army, and that God's people would be carried away into exile. But Isaiah's message did not stop there. He saw that the God who loved his people would be faithful to his promises to his people, and that he would somehow work, a, work about, work out their salvation through the return of God's people to Jerusalem, the rebuilding of the temple, and the coming of the Messiah. And so out of that theme of the separation caused by our sin, Isaiah also begins to prophesy about the salvation that would come through the Messiah. And then he he weaves a third theme into his literary work, which is simply this, that God wants you to know that you have an eternal sanctuary in him, a place of rest and peace and hope and love eternal. And so those are the three themes we've been looking at throughout the book of Isaiah. And we come now to the final two chapters of the book. There are, the way the book has been divided up is puts it into 66 chapters. That's a lot. And In these 66 chapters, those three themes keep getting woven in and out of the work, and we're going to take one final look at those themes in these last two chapters. I've got a couple of excerpts out of chapter 65 that I would like to read to you, and then uh, one excerpt out of chapter 66 that I would like to read to you. And then I'm going to also read a couple of passages from the New Testament that I think will kind of bring the clarity that that Isaiah had about what he was saying to to bear on our on our current context and reality. So from Isaiah chapter 65 verses 17 through 19 and then verses 24 through 25 and then I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 66 verses 18 through 23. And just to set a little more context This is primarily Isaiah's working out of that theme of eternal sanctuary that God is providing through the Messiah, 
not only salvation from the separation that our sin causes, but a place of eternal peace and eternal rest for his children. And so I want you to, I want you to be thinking about that as I read these words. And you'll hear, a, you'll hear a concept repeated twice that God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And I just think about that. What an amazing uh, creation we enjoy now. And there's coming a time where he's going to start over. He's going to hit the reset button. And the only difference between that creation and this one is there will be no sin in that context. And so hear these words from Isaiah 65. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever. In, what, in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. And then from Isaiah chapter 66, verses 18 through 23. For I know their works and their thoughts. And the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues and they shall come and shall see my glory, and I will set a sign among them. And from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Pul, Lud, who draw the bow, and to Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands far away that have not heard my fame or seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the nations." They shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord on horses and in chariots and in litters and on mules and on dromedaries to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says the Lord. Just as the Israelites bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord, and some of them also I will take for priests and Levites, says the Lord. For as the new heavens... And the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord. So shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. So, I don't know about you, but that passage made me think of a clip from Philippians, the book of the New Testament book of Philippians, and there in chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, the Apostle Paul penned these words by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
And then from the last book of the Bible, I wanna, wanted to quote just this one verse from Revelation chapter 15, verse 4. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. And so, somehow, this prophet in 600 B.C. was able to see what would be clear later to the Apostle Paul, what would be clear to John, the author of Revelation, what would be clear to those who knew the Messiah, who knew his fulfillment of God's promises, Isaiah, before it all happened, saw it with clarity. He remembered the promise that God made to Abraham that through him all nations would be blessed. And Isaiah somehow saw that the Messiah would be that one who would fulfill that prophecy, who would be the descendant of Abraham, who burst into the world and spread God's love and grace to all kinds of people. This miracle of foresight that God gave to Isaiah, I, I still marvel at it today. I, I don't know. I, I cannot explain how he was able to see what he saw, other than to say, by the Spirit of God, that he was able to somehow project into the future not just the destruction of Jerusalem, but the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the consecration of the Messiah at the temple in Jerusalem. And so Jesus was probably born somewhere around 4 or 5 B.C., okay? He would have been dedicated, the Bible tells us in the Gospels, that he was dedicated at the temple as a child, as an infant, and then he comes back to the temple as an adult, and he cleanses it. Do you remember those scenes? He does this twice, once at the beginning of his ministry, he drives out all the money changers, and then again, at the end of his ministry, he comes back in and drives out all the money changers. And what does he say? This is my father's house, and my father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer. And he purges all these transactional relationships out, as if to say, you're missing the point. And he fulfills through his death on the cross, he fulfills this prophecy that, that there will be a Messiah by whose stripes we are healed, who will offer his human life as a sacrifice for our forgiveness. And Isaiah somehow sees this, and he essentially calls it. And then 
about, so Jesus' death, we think, somewhere between 27 and 33 A.D., somewhere in that window. We're not 100% sure. Um, that, that death would be the last necessary sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And God waited until 70 A.D., so a little under, about roughly 40 years. Um, and then he used the Roman army, the Roman military machine, to once again dismantle the temple in Jerusalem. The temple was not just desecrated, it was utterly and completely torn apart once again. Never to be rebuilt again in that way. The temple that God is rebuilding, you are part of it. You are a living stone, the Apostle Peter tells us in one of his letters to the churches. The cornerstone of this new temple is Jesus Christ himself. You are one of the building blocks in this beautiful architecture of heaven. You are part of the eternal temple of God. His spirit resides inside of you. In the Old Testament, when the Ark of the Covenant was moved through the desert with Moses and God's people, there was a pillar of cloud by day and by night, pillar of fire. On the day of Pentecost, which today is Pentecost Sunday, by the way, that's 50 days after uh, Passover. Um, on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus was raised from the dead and he was with the disciples on that day, you can read about this in Acts chapter 1, but on that day, something came down from heaven upon each one of the disciples. You know what that looked like for the witnesses there? Tongues of fire. Fire from heaven represents the presence of God, his dwelling place with man. And those tongues rested on each one of the followers of Jesus on that day. Do you know what that means? It means the dwelling place of God is with you. It's in your heart. His eternal spirit lives inside of each one of us. And so, again, I don't understand how Isaiah saw this. Um, before we get into the passage in full, I just want to read uh, one verse to you. It's from Isaiah 66, verse 21. And some of them also I will take for priests and Levites. That is impossible. So if, I, if I'm reading this correctly, what, what he's saying is that in, in that day, when I'm rebuilding my temple out of people, from all over the earth, as they come together in my name, this, this new Jerusalem, it's not a place, it's a person. It is the person of Jesus Christ. That's the place that we are coming into as God's people. 
from all over the world, all coming together in one person. And as we do that, we are the new Israel. The new heavens, the new earth, the new Israel is being born again within each one of us as we are built into this temple of the Holy Spirit. What's impossible is that, that I could serve in the, the household of God as a Levite. Because up until the time that Jesus exploded this idea of Israel, the, the only people who could serve as priests had to be descendants of Levi himself. Jesus was the final high priest of our faith. His sacrifice of himself is the ultimate atonement for our sin. And thereby, all of us are made into what Peter calls a kingdom of priests. You are weirdly a Levite in Christ. He fulfilled all of these Old Testament prophecies and all of the offices of the Old Testament, prophet, priest, and king. And he personally resides in your heart. And somehow, Isaiah saw all of this centuries before anyone else would have that kind of clarity. So, let's just take a look at what this passage is saying to us as it calls us to worship God, the one true God. To worship God in truth and spirit, we must first claim our eternal reality. That is, if we are to worship God for who he is, to give him glory, we must first step into the truth of what he has done for us. To claim our eternal reality means simply this. By the power and presence of Jesus Christ, we are allowed to reach up to the, let's call it the blanket of heaven, and pull a corner down to this earth. In each one of our hearts, we have grabbed a hold of that which is eternal and pulled it down into our reality. This is what we do when we access our faith through Jesus Christ. We are grabbing a hold of something that is transcendent of this life, and we are bringing it to bear on the present. The reason this is important, Isaiah reminds us, is that this little corner of the blanket of heaven is there to inform our distress with eternal perspective. This is not the end. This life is not all there is. There is something greater, there is something transcendent, and you can grab a hold of it now through the promise and work of Jesus Christ. The distress we face in this life can be informed by eternity. There was something we talked about last week was that 
the fact that God remembers, that that's part of who he is. And did you notice in verse 17 of Isaiah 65, he says, the former things shall not be remembered. That is a fascinating turn on a word in the original text. So let me try to just put that in context. If, if you are anything like me, you cannot stop thinking about those children in Uvalde, their parents, that community, the, the pain and grief. Um, it's overwhelming. But we have access to something that transcends that pain, that transcends the expression of evil that occurred on that day. We have access to eternal peace through Jesus Christ. And so that's exactly what I mean when I say that you and I are to inform our current distress with the eternal perspective of what God is doing. That he is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And there will be no remembrance of these pains. There will only be peace and joy and gladness eternal. We are also to inform our grief with eternal joy. Isaiah tells us, be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people no more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. That God is building a temple out of people who he has redeemed for himself. And when that building is complete, there will be no room in that space for sin, sorrow, death, suffering, sickness, none of that. He will replace it all with eternal joy and peace. That is his promise to us. We worship God by claiming our eternal reality, by pulling the corner of the blanket of heaven down into our present, and by finding peace in the midst of chaos. We are to be a people who know that God hears us before we ask. Did you see that in that passage? He, he hears us before we ask. He's listening. He loves us. We are to find peace in the midst of chaos, to know that God hears us and to find safety in his arms. He is the God of love. He's the God of eternity. He's the God who fulfills his promises, who never ceases to love. He is this image of the wolf and the lamb grazing together, of a lion eating straw like an ox. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. So just to make sure we're on the same page, that holy mountain is Jesus. 
And then through Jesus, it's you. We are the presence of God on earth. We are that holy place where God dwells with mankind. So we are to be a people who claim our eternal reality and who grow God's eternal family. We must not keep his love to ourselves. We are to be a people who point to the sign that Isaiah speaks of in chapter 66. I will set a sign among them, and from them I will send survivors to the nations. And then the nations that he describes in in verse 19 are literally like as far as the known world at the time, which was Spain, over towards India, up towards Russia, and down past Egypt. Those are all the places that Isaiah names in this passage. He's talking about everywhere. He's talking about even here, where we sit. That all of these places will be places that his love is shared. And from those places, he will call out people to go and spread his love again. And so this amazing uh, growth of this temple that he is building, this sign that he wants us to point to, which is Jesus, we are to take his love out to others, to all kinds of people, and we're to bring others to worship him. Worship is supposed to be contagious. It is supposed to make us more human, more compelling, more gracious, more forgiving, more patient, more kind. As we come together in this way, we are reminded of something every time we gather in his name. That what we enjoy as his people was accomplished for us, not by us. And so I'm no better than you, and you're no better than anyone else. We are all in the same boat, on level ground, at the foot of the cross. And this picture that Isaiah paints is literally one of, and I cannot cannot emphasize this phrase enough, all kinds of people. Think of all the ways that we divide ourselves from others. By race, by religion, by ethnicity, by nationality, by gender, by you name it. Class, I can keep going, right? Um, none of that matters in this new kingdom, this new Jerusalem that is built out of you. None of that matters. In fact, it's going to be all kinds of people. And we 
are to be those who point to that sign and who point to Christ's fulfillment of God's word. So let's just look for a moment at these two passages from the New Testament as we draw our study of Isaiah to a close today. How astonishing that two different New Testament authors would say exactly what Isaiah had penned so many hundreds of years before. That all kinds of people will come into the presence of God to worship him. To be together in his family forever. As we point to Christ's fulfillment of that truth, we are to confess him as Lord. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11 tell us, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Paul was only reiterating what Isaiah had already said. And we are to be a people who confess Christ as Lord and who join the eternal chorus of voices from all kinds of people, that chorus of worship. Revelation 15, 4. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you. Amen. And amen. That we are part of this unending family. That we are given a place in eternity that we are allowed to grab a hold of that corner of that blanket and pull it down into our present reality. Sometimes in total defiance of what our present reality says. We, brothers and sisters, have access to the very presence and power of God himself expressed to us in love through Jesus Christ. So, hundreds of years ago, in the Jerusalem room at Westminster Abbey, which was filled this week with people celebrating Queen Elizabeth II's jubilee, 70 years of service as queen. I'm not really big into the royals, but I do respect her. She's quite a woman. Um, But in that little room, a group of pastors converged for a conference. And they were asked this simple question. What is the purpose of life? What is man's primary goal? What are we here for? This is the answer they came up with. You ready? A bunch of stuffy English clergy, Scottish as well. Stuffed in a crammed in a little room, too small for the purpose. I can't imagine the smell in that place <laughs> in 1648. 
Here's what they came up with. We are here to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To grab that corner of that blanket of eternal peace and pull it down. In the face of evil, in the face of doubt, in the face of fear, grief, sorrow, regret, guilt, shame, you name it, you have been given permission to grab a hold of something eternal. Will you do that with me now? God, our Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, for the vision that you have given to your people to be able to see what lies beyond, what transcends this world, what defies our current context. We thank you that you have allowed us through Christ to take a hold of just that corner of your kingdom and pull it down to earth in our hearts. That we can have a peace that defies understanding. That we can have hope in the face of despair. That we can have life instead of death that we can replace hatred with love, that you can fill us with your Holy Spirit and make us part of an eternal building that houses your glory for the sake of worshiping your name now and forever alongside all kinds of people. Lord, thank you for that grace, for that love that has persevered, and for that capability that you have given us to grab a hold of heaven, even now. We pray all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.